Today, I wanted to talk to you about this like magic of getting into a wide open space with an open mindset where anything can happen. And this is sort of like this, I mean, the only way I can really describe it, it's sort of this like four leaf clover kind of a moment in life. And I've gotten myself into this place only a few times, but there's this feeling where I'm really in the driver's seat of my life and I'm excited. I'm passionate. I don't know exactly what happened or how it happened or what's going to happen, but I'm expecting great things. And one such moment was when I fell in love with my husband, Thomas. Did I ever tell you guys that I fell in love with my current husband, Thomas, before I divorced my first husband? I actually fell in love with Thomas long before he even knew my true feelings or knew me at all. Really? I was in the middle of this messy separation and I was trying to sort through what the heck was going to happen in my life moving forward. If any of you ever divorced, you know what I'm talking about, but my feelings came before I had gone through the misery of separating assets. I was only in the separation stage of divorce. And although it had been a long time coming for years and years had been talking about it, but we had not worked out all the details. It was this incredibly lonely and in my head kind of a time because I owned a business and because of that, I really kept my own personal business to myself. And I, I talked to very few people. I didn't really talk to my family. Certainly didn't talk to my kids about what the future was hold, was going to hold. We had so many assets tied up together that I was just kind of sitting in the turmoil of going through a divorce basically by myself. But it was weird because in some ways, without knowing it myself, I was already like this totally new woman. I was a new version of myself. Something had shifted inside of me and I knew that it was time for me to start living this abundant life. One that was happy or at least on the road to it and that I deserved that. I was worthy of chasing happiness. I had no idea if that included a man in my future and it wasn't really even on my radar at that point. I knew that my future life would definitely include my two biological children and my adopted daughter, Mia, who was, I was about halfway through adopting. I knew I could be a great mother to them, no matter what was thrown my way. There were just so many variables to consider. What would happen to the several salons that my first husband and I owned together during the divorce? What about after who would run them? How would we split up the assets? What effect would that have our divorce would have on the businesses. The whole thing was a mess. And if you consider, we also had property together in two different States. My ex-husband had a lot invested a lot of my money, sometimes in places I didn't know he was even investing in. And I owned land that I had never even laid eyes on. I had been a very active and dedicated hairdresser and salon owner since my mid twenties. I made the money. He invested it. I didn't even know what would happen to my career because at that time, my ex-husband was already making me uncomfortable. He was intimidating me while I was working. He was intimidating my clients. It was a mess. We had worked out the details of living apart and doing what's called bird nesting. So the kids could stay in the house. We would split up the days and come inside the house separately to stay here with the kids and try and keep some stability for the children. I was in a position for literally one of the first times in my parenting life where some of my evenings were my own and a few days a week, my ex-husband would take all three kids and I would be alone. 
usually I would stay at work because I didn't really have any place to go. It was wonderful and an incredibly intense time and scary time. I got to think, I got to feel my feelings. I got to feel lonely. I got to feel scared. I got to feel excited, hopeful. I got to slow down and be still. And I got to do it all by myself. And when you're a woman woman who's running several salons with lots of conversant people working in them, and I also had three little ones, there just isn't always a lot of time to myself to think. And so that time was very valuable to me. One of the first things that happened that I had no expectation of was that I was starting to notice men. Not like in the way I wanted to have sex with a bunch of men, but kind of more like the way that I closed myself off completely for a while to something. It's just not even on my radar or a possibility. And when you can't or you don't see something for a while because you're trying to avoid that subject altogether, and then all of a sudden it comes into your vision and you realize men are all over the place. Literally like men make up 50% of our population. And I was kind of blown away by how many of them were around everywhere I went. There were good guys and bad guys and sleazy guys and fast talkers and guys who didn't seem to know how to make a living and always seemed to be struggling with money. And other guys knew how, like how to make it rain. You know, they were always making money. There were guys who needed to call attention to themselves. And then there were guys who were willing to be pushed around by their wives and take a lot of verbal crap. And I was looking around and I was starting to think, I was starting to think to myself, I was thinking like, you know, Diana, you have lied to yourself for so many years that there aren't any good guys out there. And I I had, and I was realizing I was always talking myself into staying in the marriage that was not fulfilling. And I started to see that I spent a lot of time talking to myself into staying in my first marriage instead of opening my eyes up to the possibility that life could be full and awesome and beautiful and that most of my needs really could be met. I wasn't a horrible person. I wasn't greedy by wanting more. I actually could be happy with the right partner. But thinking those kind of thoughts and getting into those kind of wide open mind frames takes a lot of bravery. And for me, for most of my marriage, I was not living a lot of bravery. I was living in a lot of fear. So there was my sweet self with my bruised psyche that had been told for 16 years with words, but mostly with actions that I was not worth the work of having a happy marriage. He had other interests and hobbies that came before me. And when I would bring it up, he would shine me on for a while and try to shut me up. But ultimately I wasn't worth the fight. And I definitely was not worth him giving up the things that he liked to do. The toxic things that were never good choices for our marriage or what he decided to side with. And knowing that there was this message again, that I was not worth change. I was not worth sacrificing. And I just plain old wasn't worthy of his effort. If you hear that for long enough, you really start to believe. And I'm sure some of you have been through this, where you basically start to blame yourself or you start to believe that it's your problem or you're crazy or your expectations are so high and that you just start lowering the bar for your life. So I was absorbing information about different people that I worked with in different locations, people that I worked out at the gym around and just in general, looking around at the guys that I would come across 
through my everyday life and just observing that there were actually a really fair amount of good, good, hardworking fathers and really good men to be inspired by. And I was getting over the thought that I was going to be single forever just because my 17 year marriage was falling apart. That didn't necessarily mean that I was going to turn into someone who didn't believe in the power of a good guy. I'm telling you, it was like this wild time for me because sometimes I would look at other people's husbands and think how lucky my friends were to have such great husbands. And then I would feel kind of guilty that I was thinking that way. And I mean, I I was like feeling like, okay, am I now am I coveting my friend's husbands? Because that had not happened to me in the past before. But I realized not really, I didn't necessarily want to be married to that particular guy. I just wanted to be married to a guy that acted like that guy. I don't know. If you know, you know. If you've ever been through this, I know you're not judging me. And if you've never been through it, you shouldn't be judging me because it's a really hard position to be in. Anyway, it was just a very heavy time. And I spent a lot of time pondering why I had made the decision to marry my ex-husband at 26 when I really didn't even know him. Why I had given up a condo that I had just purchased in Southern California to follow a person I barely knew across the country. And a career that I had worked so hard to build just to move across the country and dive head headfirst into, you know, what I thought was love. So it was during this phase, my separation from my first husband phase, that I was really doing this mental deep dive and really trying to observe what the hell I was thinking. What was I thinking getting married to someone I didn't really know and then staying with someone who didn't really make me happy for so many years? Why did I do that? What was going to keep me from doing it again? I mean, could I trust myself? How did I need to grow and change in this situation? Okay, so I'm just telling you, I was going through a lot of thinking and I was definitely doing like a lot of thought processing and journaling and writing and thinking about who I wanted to be in the future. But here's the things that I knew about myself for sure. I knew that I was a loving person in my heart. Anybody I'd ever worked with, no matter how strong or wonderful or annoying they were, I always wanted the best for them. And I always did everything I could to promote and help lift people's lives up as far as it was in my power to do so. I definitely could also see in that area that I was someone who cared for other people and I knew I had a loving heart. I clung to this knowledge because it's very easy when you're facing a divorce and you're in a space that's pretty alone. You're worried about losing your house and losing your livelihood and losing your business, possibly losing friendships. How would your family take it? How will you be judged? I thought maybe people would think that the whole reason everything was going to shit was because I was a bad person. I don't know about you, but for any of you that have been through a divorce, it really, I don't know if other people went through this too. I've heard they do, but It really caused me to reflect on what my part was and what I could have done differently. I did get over the hurdle pretty quickly though. And I knew that I could affirm that I was a pretty great person, a good friend, good daughter, had a good heart. And, um, did I say devoted mother? Cause I'm totally a devoted mother and a loving mother. Anyway, I'm doing all this thinking and this heavy duty perspective shift and really trying to figure myself out. What were the parts that I played? Why didn't I step up earlier and say, no, this isn't going to work for me. What could I have done to be a different person? Who would I become if I really worked on being a different person in my next relationship? And what did I really want? 
It was just all a lot to think about. And then out of nowhere walks in Thomas Bacay and he had no clue that he was walking into my vision. For a few months, he didn't know that I'd fallen for him. It was my own private situation I was dealing with in my own head. And it was so comforting that no one else knew. I went through so much excitement because I didn't realize I could be excited about the opposite sex again. And in some ways it felt like that part of me had been squashed down for so long that it might never come back. So having butterflies or thinking about someone in that way was so lovely. I could think and fantasize and ponder what it would be like to be with someone else, someone like him without the outside pressure of everyone knowing, judging, or looking. The first dealings that I had with my now husband, I thought he was such an annoying person because he was this overzealous PTA president. And he was, it was his first year. And he wanted to talk to me about growing the pumpkin patch event that I had run for eight years. He was very excited on our first phone call. He wanted to grow the event into a much bigger affair. And what I knew about Thomas was that he had a wife with some sort of long-term illness and she used a wheelchair and he had one daughter who was a third grader. I didn't know much about him beyond that. And I was not in a new place. I was not in the place to make new friends that year. So without meaning to, he was a little bit insulting about the excitement level that he had for the past years. And he had attended the event and basically said that he thought we could make it more exciting. Basically, he wanted to turn it into a festival with a beer garden. (laughs) And he had no idea what he was talking about. Um, And I had no patience to explain to him that there was no way the principal was going to let us have inflatables for the kids to jump in, much less a beer garden for the adults. Plus, looking back, I was just bitchy and annoyed, and I did not want to deal with people. I was preparing for a divorce. And little did he know at the time that I was in the middle of separating and that the pumpkin patch was the last thing I gave a shit about anymore. I was already mentally starting to ditch anything extra in my life that I could get away with not dealing with. Right off the bat, one of my first steps mentally preparing for my separation was bailing out on the fluff of my life. And knowing that because I still had to deal with multiple businesses, go through a divorce, figuring out how to still adopt our little girl that we had been fostering that was living with us, figuring out residences for two different people. I was heavily purging my life and the pumpkin patch was one of the things on the chopping block. So I got off the phone with him and I thought, I cannot wait to send my resignation letter and call it a day for volunteering at this elementary school. I didn't really think much more of it. Fast forward though, I worked on the pumpkin patch that year with him, but I didn't come into too much contact with him when the event actually happened. I was aware of who he actually was and what he looked like and that he showed up and he was a big help that day. I was somewhat less annoyed with him after that day. Right after the the event was over, I sent him an email letting him know that due to some personal issues, I was going to be backing out of running it. He responded right away and asked if I would go grab lunch because he was shocked that I was quitting after so many years and he wanted to have kind of like a debrief session and information gathering for the person who would take over. I agreed to have lunch with him and over burritos, 
again, my impression was that he was a guy who was kind of full of crap. And I think basically I was just jaded at the time. It wasn't even on my register to look at a handsome man as a handsome man. I was just looking at him as a guy who was telling me his story, but I could tell there was much more going on than was on the surface. He was kind of skipping over the deep stuff and giving me the (coughs) not very in-depth version of what was going on in his life. I could read that, and frankly, I didn't care. I just thought to myself, here's another person that I'll keep it very surface with and be polite to. I knew Tammy, Erlen's mother, Thomas's partner at the time, was sick. And when I asked him how his wife was doing, he basically said, she's not going to be getting much better once you go on dialysis. That's something you don't really come off of. He was pretty matter of fact about it. And at the time, I didn't know really what dialysis was or what her situation could be. I didn't want to be rude, so I didn't ask any more about it. We basically kept talking about the ins and outs of the pumpkin patch. We paid the bill and then we went back across the, I went back across the street to work and he left. I didn't think much about him one way or the other after that. And then fast forward to the following uh, February and Tammy passed away. I got a call from a friend who shared the news that was going around school that Tammy had lost her battle with diabetes and I was just immediately struck for some reason. In February, I had been separated for some, uh, several months and I was spending more regular amounts of time alone because the kids would go for a few days with my ex-husband. I was thinking and thinking and thinking and journaling and it seems like that's all I did. But when I went to pick up my kids from school later on that week, there was this cute, tiny little Erlen, Thomas's daughter. And my heart was just broken that this nine-year-old kid didn't have her mom on the earth anymore. And it was just her and her dad. Beyond that, I didn't know their story, the circumstances that brought them there, where they were from, what they were like. But I knew that I had to do what I can to reach out to this family and see if there's anything I could do to help. I ended up being included in a group of women that helped frame photos for Tammy's funeral and help with some arrangements for what he called her celebration of life. I remember I ended up showing up there kind of late and I had Mia with me. It's probably the last time she let me put a bow in her hair and wore a dress. So she was probably seven then. And my son, who was probably 12 then, brought in Nerf guns in a suitcase. I was holding... Mia's hand and I was clicking through the parking lot and hurrying in. I was wondering if I could sneak into this celebration of life without being noticed and realizing I was wearing this like bright green dress when everyone else was wearing dark colors. I was in a bit of a fog in my own divorce fog because basically I was just trying to get through day to day and if any of you guys have been through that you know what I mean like some days are just better than others. As I'm rushing in and trying to blend in I turn around because I hear a noise and realize it's my son Cooper with a suitcase that rolls being pulled across the parking lot. It's filled with his Nerf guns. I actually think he had a little drone in there too. And I thought to myself, okay, I'll just tuck it in a corner and no one will notice. So we get in there and luckily people are still milling about and visiting. And no one did notice that we walked in late. 
but I didn't notice that Cooper and Mia snuck off with all the other kids and went out on the side patio to play and run and chase each other outside. Everyone finally took a seat and all the adults were inside and the kids stayed playing loudly and rambunctiously outside. Thomas started his speech and it was absolutely gorgeous. It was heartfelt. He talked so much about life and what it meant to live a full life and how important it was to acknowledge all the life that was around. So the guy knows how to speak and hold attention in a room and it was just lovely and uplifting. And in the middle of it, right around that time, a very loud Nerf gun war was commencing amongst the kids. Apparently Cooper had shared all of his Nerf guns with the kids and he literally probably had a dozen and a half guns in his roll, roll long suitcase that he brought in. When I realized what was going on, I was half amused and half embarrassed, and I hoped that no one knew that it was my kid that brought all the Nerf guns. Anyway, Thomas worked that unplanned Nerf war into the speech, and he worked the interruption of the children loudly playing outside into the fact that life will go forward and commence, and that these beautiful kids outside, so full of life, were an example of how important it was to live life to the fullest and for the world to keep turning. I don't remember exactly but I mean, I literally could have been at like a Tony Robbins conference because I felt so lifted up after his speech. Of course, there were tears and sadness, but at the same time, it was really a positive speech about how lucky we were to have life and take each day as a gift. Many things about his speech really struck me. And that was the first time I thought to myself, you know, maybe that guy's not so annoying after all. I think one day I'd like to have someone in my life who saw life as a gift, who wanted to work for it. I added Thomas to the collection of guys that I'd been silently and privately observing, and I thought to myself that I really should start a list of all the things I wanted, all the things that I would not settle for not having in my next partner. Moving forward in the coming weeks, I'd reach out to him on a regular basis and see if he needed anything at the grocery store. He didn't, but he did let me take Erlen to skate parties. She would hang out with my girls who were the same age. And eventually after a couple weeks of offering things at the grocery stores that I was at or checking in with him, I texted him and said, Hey, I'm not going to bug you anymore. Cause I know you're in the middle of your stuff, but if there's anything that you need, you can always text me. And he texted back and said what he really could use is a good haircut. And I'm pretty good at cutting hair. And that's how I started becoming my future husband's hairstylist. He came in the salon and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this guy is so good looking. Why didn't I see it before? And then I remember thinking, oh my gosh, what is wrong with you, Diana? His wife just died. And then the other part of me piped up and said, you're going through a phase and that's okay. You can think your thoughts. No one knows. It's okay to explore what life might be like in the future. No one can see your thoughts. It's totally private. And I got totally okay with just thinking my thoughts, no matter how wacky or wild or crazy or far-fetched they were. So the conversation with him was just good. And I really enjoyed cutting his hair. And that was probably the first contact where it was like one-on-one. -on -one. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's the kind of guy I want to date when this whole divorce thing is settled. And it wasn't too long after that, that I totally fell in love with him, even though he had no idea I wasn't married in my heart. He literally thought I was a married person. He had no idea I was separated or there was any problems in my marriage. 
He had no idea that I was flirting in my head about him. And I never would let that any of that flirting come out of my mouth, but I was thinking a lot of flirty thoughts about him. I had no clue that this was what was coming, but here's what happened. I was alone at my salon that I owned in a hotel. We owned two salons at the time in California. And one was a downtown location and the other one was a luxury hotel. And Thomas had come to get his hair cut at both, I think at that time. But I had told Thomas when I cut his hair that I could get him access to the pool anytime he and Erilyn wanted to go swimming or take a soak in the hot tub. And he actually took me up on it. And one afternoon, he and Erilyn met me at the salon. And then I walked them over to the pool with my key and let them in. It was like sunset, sunset time, you know, and no one was really there. I ended up staying to visit for a few minutes and I grabbed his phone and took a couple of pictures of him and Erilyn. They were like in their own world and he was throwing her in the pool and they were just enjoying their time together. I got to admit, I so badly wanted to stay. I wanted to get in the pool. I wanted to wrap my arms around him, but I knew that I was thinking crazy thoughts. I was being ridiculous. I was intruding and I had to leave. Again, these were my private thoughts and I coached myself mentally to say that no one knew I was thinking these outlandish thoughts and I just left. I went back to the salon, but I surely did not stop thinking about him. A couple hours passed. I was doing inventory at the salon and stocking and I started to get hungry and I had nothing to do that night. So I started thinking, you know, I could text him and see if he wanted to meet and get a couple of tacos with Erilyn. A little devil inside of me started thinking, I mean, what can it hurt? He doesn't know that I have a crush on him. I would never tell him I have a crush on him. How embarrassing. And it'd be really fun to hang out with him and Erilyn. I got a big grin. And then I said, no, I'm not going to text him. That's ridiculous. And then I was like, yeah, I should. Maybe we could be friends. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do it. And so I texted him. I texted him something like, hey, if you want to meet for dinner after this and grab a bite, there's a great place right by the pool. And I overthought what I was going to say. Finally got the nerve. I hit send. I was experiencing all those feelings, all those like butterfly excitement feelings that I just had been dead inside of me for so long. And then he didn't text back and more time passed and he still didn't text back. And then I started thinking, oh my God, did I cross a line? How embarrassing. Does he realize how I feel about him? And I was just like in my head, blah, 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 blah. So eventually it got dark and I went through the basement parking lot and I got my car and I left and there's no reception down there. But by the time I popped up out from underneath the parking garage and got reception, I got a text from him and he said, oh yeah, that'd be great. We're just getting out of the pool. We would love that. So I flipped the car around and I came back. I parked the car. I was so excited just to be around him. I was overwhelmed with all these feelings I was having and I knew, I knew I had to calm the hell down. We actually had a great time at this little taco shop and eventually Erlen fell asleep in his arms and he sat there in the middle of this restaurant with his gorgeous blue eyes and his gorgeous muscly arms holding on to his nine-year-old who were, was asleep in his arms and I was totally in love, but of course he had no idea and it was totally my little secret. Looking back, I think it was the good dad thing that I fell for. 
I think watching him with his kid, watching him engage with her in the pool and be so focused on her was one of the things that I was just so attracted to about him. And I think that's when I fell in love. He had no idea. He would not know for several months. I felt like I was being wildly inappropriate to have these feelings for this guy who had just lost his wife, the mother of his child. And I was in a situation where my divorce was barely underway. I mean, how could I possibly have these strong, incredible feelings? But I did. And that's the truth. I sure did. I surely did fall in love with my second husband that night. And of course, all the other stuff worked out. It had to be worked through, had to be talked through, communicated about, figured out. But at the end of the day, watching my gorgeous future husband throw his daughter through the air in the pool and watching her splash and giggle happily and squeal and cling to him, it was a turning point day for me. I was in that wide open, beautiful, rare, four leaf clover moment of my life. I was willing to be open to the possibility that I deserved a guy who could be this good to his kids. I deserved a guy that would sit and linger over tacos and talk with me for three hours I deserved a guy like Thomas Piquet. Had I never gotten to that open place where I could be open to the idea of exploring those feelings, albeit privately, I kept all of that private for a long time. I didn't talk to Thomas about it until our friendship developed much further many months later. I didn't talk to friends about it. I kept it to myself, but I let myself in my heart be open to the fact. And I didn't know whether or not that the guy that would come into my life would be in fact Thomas but I knew that I was going to be open to the fact that there could be a wonderful man that could walk into my life and that because I was willing to think about it I was willing to accept it I was willing to work on myself and change myself and embrace a new life a new story that my life wasn't just over and done with because I had failed at one marriage. Because I got into that, what I call the rare four-leaf clover moment, I was able to be open to it. And if you're not open to it, if you're not open to at least thinking privately to yourself and dreaming and fantasizing about your future, then that closeness is likely going to cut you off from all sorts of opportunities that could come your way. So I just wanted to tell you guys the story because it is sort of messy and ugly and embarrassing, like parts of it, like our liftoff. I really would have preferred to have been completely and totally divorced. I really would have preferred for Thomas to have a few years of being, um, a single guy without, you know, have been walking into his life that soon after, but it all worked out. And, um, I don't know. It was one of those situations. I remember telling a friend, I'm like, no, I didn't tell a friend this. I read this in an art, like an article that a woman was like, men are like nachos. When you see one that you want, you better reach out and grab it before someone else does. (laughs) And that's sort of like how that felt. Like I was like, I just liked him so much. I just thought he was so cool. And, um, So anyway, that's a little part of our love story. And I wanted to share it with you because I wanted to normalize some of the crazy feelings and situations that people go through when they're walking through divorce, separation, trying to figure out what next steps are. 
and that it is not always perfect. It can be like very clumsy and awkward and sometimes embarrassing, but it also can work out and be beautiful and be amazing. And so I just wanted to tell you that I'm rooting for you, friend, if you're going through a challenging time in your relationship and trying to figure out your next steps. Life is beautiful and there's lots of opportunity out there for love 